He made me the Sorcerer Supreme, the master of the mystic arts. Earth first defensed against all manner of magical threats. So now I walk alone through the nameless reaches of the netherworld, each day weirder than the last, each new challenge liable to end with my doom or damnation or final descent into screaming madness. But you know what? I'd be lying like hell if I said I didn't love this. My name is Conrad, along with my co-host Drew, and welcome to the 51st episode of Stranger by the Dozen, the podcast where we recap the adventures of Dr. Stephen Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts. How's it going this time, Drew? It's going pretty great, Conrad. All right. Yeah, you haven't recently found yourself in some sort of weird dimension where you have to, like, I don't really understand it, but, like, fight a bunch of people, and it's real complicated, and then afterwards everything's all redone and things are pretty much the same, but with some slight differences to help with new storytelling mechanics? Really, I was just looking for an excuse to destroy an entire universe, just saying. Super fair. So, okay, like we said at the end of, <laughs> of last episode, The Triumph and the Torment, we're starting a new era on the show today. We'll definitely will eventually return to 90s Do- Doctor Strange, and then eventually deal with just the murky waters of Doctor Strange's various scattered guest appearances in the, in, in the 2000s. But we thought we'd we thought it'd be fun to jump ahead to more recent comics and talk about the Doctor Strange revival that started in the fall of 2015, a mere eight months before this very podcast began. It's the last days of magic. <laughs> uh, the last days of magic is volume four is the fourth volume of regular Doctor Strange comics. And it's part of the all new, all different Marvel lineup. It came in along with like uh, the likes of Sam Wilson's Captain America and Jane Foster's Thor, among others. The end result of the Secret Wars brand shakeup in Marvel, which I know very little about. Drew, tell, explain Secret Wars to me. Do it. Oh, man, <laughs> I know way too much about Secret Wars. <laughs> so basically before this point, uh, they were, Marvel's hinting at something big, like a really big shakeup. Like, oh, what? Multiple universes are getting destroyed? Oh, no. Until eventually a plan hatched by the likes of Doctor Doom... Doctor Strange, and the Particle Man. Ah, uh, not Doctor Particle? Okay. <laughs> no, no, like straight up the, the Particle Man. Um, to essentially try to save what was, you know, try to save the universes. Uh, ended up with uh, Doom living out every single one of his god fantasies ever. Oh, good times. Uh, when, he, <laughs> when he used the power of Particle Man and stole the power of the gods to create uh, Battle World. Okay. And which was kind of a whole bunch of various universes kind of slammed together. Like you had, you had the armor wars part of the world. You had weird world. You had all the zombie stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it's like all these various different universes within Marvel just kind of slammed together into one giant continent with Doctor Doom lording all over all. Uh, of it. I don't like that. <laughs> and at his right hand was uh, Sheriff Strange. Whoa. Crazy, like a, I know. And he also died like the most inconsequential death. Oh, ever. that's rough. Don't like when Doctor Strange dies. So, know? anyway, after uh, a whole bunch of uh, nonsense and whatever, um, Reed, Richard, Reed Richards once again defeats Doctor Doom. Uh, Doom realizes that this whole god thing isn't actually going to work out for him after all. Mm-hmm. And then the Richards family begins crafting, recrafting the multiverse in one universe at a time. And more or less disappear from Marvel Comics. Ah, I guess yeah. I guess there is no Fantastic Which, Four currently. I know that like I've been I've done some stuff with uh, 
the with uh, Steve Lacey of the Fantastic Cast, and I know they've sort of been talking about the new Fantastic Four kind of revival that's that's coming around in in, in Marvel, like as yeah. we speak, basically. As of today, in a unnamed day in December of 2018, that's yeah. only now just starting. Wow. So, basically, this is like Marvel's way of getting rid of the Ultimate Universe, because they really don't want to deal with it anymore, but the only part they wanted to keep was Miles Morales. Miles Morales is pretty good, in terms of parts of the I Ultimate know. Universe. Exactly. So, you know, uh, so a, a new day it is dawned on the like the 616 with Miles Morales being a part of it, with his somehow character history being jammed into it. Nice. <laughs> is he so, still from like the Ultimate bring, Universe? Like, did he? Does he like pick up for like? Does he remember picking up for Spider Man like after um, Ultimatum or whatever? Or is that just sort of all just sort of no. from the from, from, from the timeline? He just happens to be that is a dude that's also Spider Man. That 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 is perched from the timeline, and he just happens to be another kid who's bit by a spider. Nice. All right. Yeah, me too. But it didn't give me powers; it just gave me a big bruise. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So all that to all that to bring us to a you know plain old New York City, I guess. Regular day for Doctor Strange and regular old New York. So let's get started. Oh man. Yes. I want to. Yeah. I'm super excited about this because it it features like some art from an artist that I absolutely adore. Awesome! So let's go, Doctor Strange number one, released October 2015, cover date December 2015. The Way of the Weird, Jason Aaron Writer, Chris Bacalo pencils and colors, Tim Townsend Alvey and Mark Irwin inks, DC's Corey Petit letters, Nick Lowe and Charles Beecham editors. So hey, couple things about these about these uh, new comics, Drew. <laughs> like yes. this comic is the newest comic I've ever done on a po- is but on a podcast by like twenty five years. So I'm really <laughs> like like as much as our show's been jumped ahead, I've also been jumped ahead because I'm much more of a red. I, I've I've ended up being my, you know defining my brand as a retro comics guy. So well. I am I'm dragging yeah. kicking and screaming into the future. Conrad. I just want to say these new comics have way more credits than I'm used to in terms of like et- regular editors and like business people and stuff in the back. So I'm not even going to get into that. Also, these comics are way longer than they used to be and not longer. Like in terms of pages, they're actually shorter. But in terms of like width, like, you know, uh, a, a Silver Age comic is kind of like like a 720p TV, Drew. <laughs> and, uh-huh. and you know, like a and, and like a 2000 AD that I'm reading for his first face spinner 2000 is almost a square, basically. But um, <laughs> this thing's like 1080p, like it's super long. The surfboard comic. There's so much definition. And there's a lot of definition as well. Absolutely. Okay, so we start with the awesome cover by Bacalo and, and Townsend with Doctor Strange with a battle axe. We jump into the backstory. I really like this opening page because it uses a ton of iconic Doctor Strange images for it, like from the past. You know, that there's a there's a lot of Ditko, but also a fair amount of like Gene Colan and others in there as well. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of it, yeah. and I just love it. And just does a good job of sort of bringing you into Doctor the uh, you know, as always, you gotta do Doctor Strange's backstory when you talk about him. You know, at this point he's been he hasn't really been in a ton of comics like recently in 2015. So, you know, it is nice to sort of bring people up to speed with what's gonna happen. And then uh, we jump. Yeah, I mean, up yeah. to this point, he's mostly been like a like a bit player in the Illuminati comics. Yeah, he's been like in the Illuminati. I think there was like some limited like year one. There, there, there was a, a a year one limited run. 
uh, kind of before this and stuff. Um, yeah. And then like others, but often just a lot of like cameos or being in limited series and stuff like that. You know, you get like, like the oath, which runs for like four comics and, and nothing really comes of it. Or like the the Defenders one off that's sort of six issues and that's it. Or even uh, like 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 Dead Girl is sort of a, a a primary secondary you know the main secondary character in a story that's actually about like an ex an ex team essentially. But yeah, okay. So here we go, Doctor Strange, man. <laughs> we jump right into the action. So we see Doctor Strange fighting an army of crazy monsters in a teddy bear themed dreamscape. And so yeah, good. and let's just talk quickly about the uh, the look of this Doctor Strange here. All right, Drew, like it's uh-huh. the same blue shirt with that sort of bat onk symbol on it, but instead yeah. of like tights and a yellow sash and gloves, he's gloveless. He's got black slacks instead of tights, and like Doc Martens, I think, based on the tread pattern of the boots that he's wearing, as well as, yeah. well as like a belt with a, a dagger and some pouches. Got to have pouches because it's a comic book, you know. Yeah, of course. Then he he's it's a comic book and he's kind of a, you know, a, a mythical sorcerer, yeah, so pouches definitely. are necessary. He's um the cloak he he's wearing the cloak of levitation like it's recognizable, but it's lost the big horned collar and stuff. Like it's more just sort of a a, a, a standard superhero cape here as opposed to the weird thing that sort of a a, a classic Doctor Strange is. Um again, and yeah. you know what? I'm okay with that. Like, you know, the high collar was a good look. Yeah. And it eventually it will come back, I promise. <laughs> but for right now, it's it's yeah, good. It's, it's fine for day to day, absolutely. Um, yeah. And it does sort of give you some look of, of this is like here's a hip new Doctor Strange almost. Yeah. Again, uh, yeah. no gloves. He's way younger. He doesn't have the white like sides of the hair or anything like that. He's got a soul patch and um, added to his mustache, looking real cool. <laughs> And as he's fighting, he's got like a shield in his hand that he's using as he fights. And that's something I think is interesting that we're going to see throughout um, Doctor Strange in, in these comics. We're looking at this episode where he's not just using he, – he's often also summoning like magical weapons and fighting with them when he's fighting instead of just using beams and stuff. Which I think gives it more of a – gives the combat more of a visceral feel, I think. Yeah. Yeah. In the dreamscape – Doctor Strange is 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 doing narration. He's establishing the world. He's um he does some stuff where he talks about like that his hands still hurt and shake, but not when he's casting spells. And I appreciate that, just sort of giving us the lay of the land in terms of like what the status of his hands are. Because as we saw in recent comics in the nineties, like where he can like do surgery and stuff, you know. It's like where did yeah, that come from? Jesus. It's something that doesn't didn't really get talked about as much as you'd think in the actual comics. And so I'm good that they sort of get it out of the way early. But so he, he's fighting a bunch of crazy monsters. They're telling him to get out. There's a weird, uh, te- uh, suddenly a tentacle lady appears and he tells her to leave. And she disagrees saying that there are three rovers running here t- uh, to keep ahead of the coming slaughter and to get rid of them. Strange will have to defeat their champion. Who's real big. Luckily, Yep. Fights over quick because he's able to ca- quickly cast a spell that changes the monster's fire breath to daisies. And after hacking the beast to death with the magic sword, it's all over but making out with the tentacle lady on the body of the Ted champion. <laughs> of course. Because it's, it's been a bit and, you know, he's not he's not with uh, Clay. Yeah, anymore, yeah, this so. is a, this is yeah. generally seems like a much sexier Doctor Strange than we've seen previously. Like. You know, a yeah. lot of his side conversations about having uh, failed relationships and stuff, which I think were 
in the 90s or in, in like 1990s still seeing the the early parts of i think uh, the resulting uh-huh. kissing noises are disturbing to the parents of the kid he's currently exercising as we cut away the doc <laughs> sitting in lotus position floating in the kid's room He's told the free rovers to possess some inmates at Rikers Island and tells them that the kid is safe and for payment to be nice to their next door neighbor. Uh, <laughs> so he, he, he leaves their, their apartment by taking a, by the, the, the cloak turning into stairs and he just sort of walks out their window, which is pretty cool, and then changes into street clothes. But he also opens his third eye to, absor- to observe the streets of New York. They're full of just kind of random, crazy magic monsters feeding on, feeding on and possessing people. But, you know, it's just sort of a, a regular Tuesday. Stranger gets in a brief fight with one big, like, crazy murder magic monster on the street. And his response to the fight freaks out the square. So he decides to get a drink. <laughs> he, Dr. Strange walks through a wall to the bar with no doors, a magician's only lounge. And shares a drink, which who seems to be the, the regular patrons of uh, Doctor Voodoo, the Scarlet Witch, and Shaman. Yeah, they talk, yeah. Everybody's looking real cool. It's cool to see Scarlet Witch sort of actually be doing, like you know, be sort of in a magician situation and stuff. I think at the comics we read to up until this point, her magic abilities is still very elementary. So it's cool to see her have sort of grown into, you know, be definitely earning the name more, Witch. Much you more know? established at this point. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, so strange short so they talk about Strange's recent case and that there's been a big a, a bit of an uptick in general weirdness. Shaman drops a proverb of uh, when all birds fly when all the birds fly away in a hurry, get ready for a storm when they're approached by Monaco, a mar- who is a marble magic deep cut through. Like Ooh. the last time he appeared was in the Marvel's project, which is specifically about sort of like old timey uh, uh, Marvel guys in, in 2009, and before that, his last appearance was in 1940. If you can imagine, wow! Like uh, you know, that's like <laughs> pre Golden Age almost. You know, but so Jeez. he kind of yells at, at Doctor Strange and says, "Like the bill is coming due, the cost of doing magic," and he tries to guilt Strange for doing doing the magic he does without paying the cost. But Strange come back comes back that he's actually paying quite a bit. He's got like ulcers and crazy stuff, but uh, Monaco isn't satisfied and stormed off. Also, the bartender is the head of Chandu the Mystic, who we'll remember from the old Defenders days. He was one of the Defenders' um, enemies, and I believe his head got put on the body of a big gorilla guy, I think. There was a lot of like yeah. like head transplanting at, at at that time, and he was among them. So now, just his heads tending magic bar, basically, it's pretty funny. You know what? I'm I'm glad to see him actually. You know, getting a proper. I mean, living. I like I I love all these little Marvel magic deep cuts in here. You know, like like Monaco's yeah. like that too, where it's kind of taking all this stuff from the past, sort of smashing it all together. That's pretty good. Meanwhile, at the Sanctum Sanctorum, a lady in a hat, Zelma Stanton, is wondering about knocking on the door. She's pretty self-conscious about it and unknowingly spills the beans about it to Doctor Strange, thinking she's a, he's just a stranger on the street, even calling the name of the Sanctum Sanctorum, or a holiest of holies, a bit ostentatious. Whoa. <laughs> 
Oh, dang. <laughs> Strange lets her in and shows off a bit using, you know, flying around on the cloak, moving, like, you know, floating books about, knowing her name and vital details and stuff. She takes off her hat and reveals that there's a crazy monster face growing out of it. Oh, a lot of just mouths and eyes and stuff. It's pretty, pretty weird, pretty gnarly, I'd say. <laughs> it's definitely something you want to get checked out. Yeah, and rough because Doctor Strange sees it and thinks that it's nothing he's ever seen before. When And when he goes to touch it, it suddenly explodes into a giant storm of angry demon guys. And if these guys are the birds, then what's the storm? Hey, let's find out. <laughs> yeah. Because this, this comic ends with a side story called The Coming Slaughter. Uh, James Aaron Ryder, Kevin Nolan Pensler, Inker and Colorist, VCs Corey, Petite Letters, Niccolo and Charles Beecham, Editors. So meanwhile... Somewhere far across the dimensional gulf, a battered and bleeding Sorcerer Supreme stumbles up a staircase and into a room which he locks with magic chains. He feels his magic fading and makes a message magic in um that um uh, sorry and makes a message saying that yeah his his magic is fading, destroyed by an invading army called the Empiricool, and they are coming for you as well. Be prepared. <laughs> but as he sends the message on the wings of butterflies, the door bursts open. Giant murder dogs burst in and attack him, and then a bunch of white-armored soldiers appear soon after, and with them, the Imperator, this, like, you know, kind of, like, Darth Sidious-looking guy in a dark robe, basically. Yeah. Um, your, your standard cloak. Yeah, you know, really. he's kind of, like, looking looking kind of messed up, but, like, darkly powerful also. And he sees the, yeah, yeah, totally. he sees the butterflies flying away and blasts them, and then orders the man purified and the comic ends with a really cool just rain of burning butterflies as several people are burned at the stake below oh it's neat but also real disturbing what's coming what it's super dark oh man and that takes us to doctor strange number two released november 2015 cover date january 2016 the way of the weird uh, Jason Aaron Ryder, Chris Bacalo, Pencils and Colors, Tim Townsend, Al Bay, and Mark Irwin Inks, BC's Corey VT Letters, Nick Lowe and Carl's Beecham, and Charles Beecham Editors. So, um, after the first one, we start getting a couple cool alternate covers for this for, for this series. Uh, the yep. main ones done by uh, and or Bacalo and, and Townsend, with alternates by Alan Alex Ross and Scotty Young. They're both looking real cool. A lot of Beetlejuice-style yep. tentacles going on in both of these, in like two, at least two out of these three covers. It's a lot, it's a thing that you see more with modern comics, it's a lot more of these variant covers. Oh yeah. Uh, being done by guest artists. Yeah, definitely. I think all the com- all the Doctor Strangers have at least one alternate that, that we're going to see. Um, you know, it's definitely a weird thing in terms of like the stuff we've been to before, but you know, it's the nature of, of comic collecting nowadays. What, what changes to one 25 years have wrought the, um, <laughs> <laughs> this comic opens with a, uh, a rundown of the sanctum itself. I really like it in, 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 in almost all the comics, this, um, this episode strange sort of has a monologue. It's just sort of setting the general, you know, cr- like creating the general world of Doctor Strange, you know, like I mean, right. he's setting it up to destroy it later, I guess. <laughs> but, um, yeah. You know, it is kind of creating the world that we're, you know, that Strange is living in as before these changes come in. We learned that, yeah, it, sure. It's, Go ahead, sorry. I mean, it, Doctor Strange hasn't had like a, a comic series for a bit, so it's best to get people caught up if they haven't been. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, for sure, like you know. 
this is this is Doctor Strange Volume Four. Volume Three is Doctor Strange Sorcerer Supreme that we were reading in the nineties. You know, like it yeah. like ends in like I think like ninety five. I want to say like in the mid nineties, and then there's no regular yeah. Doctor Strange uh, comic for a long time. I mean, you know, he sort of he'll be in like Secret Defenders and other things like that. But that's way you know being one character in an ensemble especially where one member of the ensemble is Wolverine, like is way different than being in your own comic, doing your own stuff, you know? But so we learned that the Sanctum used to be a beatnik flop house, a satanic supper club, a failed nunnery. It was built on a potter's field that itself was built on the site of Native American vision quests. And it's in <laughs> an, on a nerve center of dragon lines, which is pretty cool. I also like how... Um, They've changed the timeline a little bit because in reality, it couldn't be, it couldn't really be a, a, a gathering of like beatniks and hippies and stuff because by the 50s, Doctor Strange was actually living in it in the original Marvel Universe, like in the Silver Age and stuff. But anyhow, yeah, it's now also home to a whole bunch of crazy demons pouring out of Selma Stanton's head. Doc, yeah. It's a serious problem. She should really get that. Hey, I mean, she's already gone to see a doctor, right? Uh, Strange yeah, Strange tries true. to hit them with this crimson bands of Sidorak, but they don't work, which is very odd and kind of disturbing. Instead, the monsters escape into the mansion. Zelma still has some mouths on her head, and it's basically just kind of a bitey mystic scab. But there's no time for that, because Strange has to deal with these things. So he basically hands Zelma a sword, grabs a mace for himself, and leads her into the sanctum after first disappearing the front door so she can't just leave. <laughs> I I mean, you know, mild kidnapping. It's not the first time he's done this. Come yeah, on. well, I mean, you know, like, a doctor can keep you in the hospital or be in treatment room if you still need to be treated, you know? Like, whatever. Yeah. yeah. 5150'd or magically. So, <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we, we, we get a quick tour of the sanctum. We pass through his living room. Don't talk to the snakes on the coffee table. The bathhouse, naturally, he has one. Just look at that mustache. Past the yeah. uh, ghostly talking statues asking about strangers' various ailments, like, you know, ulcers, a glowing rash, sentient kidney stones. <laughs> they go through the uh, your your standard M.C. Escher staircase, uh, and Strange just kind of, kind uh-huh. of gives, her, gives him the main advice, which is don't look at anything or in any direction. Definitely don't touch anything or open any doors, especially not the refrigerator. Yeah, dude, you don't want to open that refrigerator. It's, uh... Suddenly, though, Zelma sees the most horrifying thing ever, which is that Doctor Strange just, like, has all these, you know, thousands of books, and they're just all in big, giant piles all over the place, like in big stacks and stuff, which is ridiculous. Because (laughs) Zelma's a librarian and has some, you know, Galdern respect, you know? The monsters have gotten in and roughed up the library, which is also pretty disturbing. One of the beasts throws the grimoire of Watum at them, and it, it hits Zelma, and she's briefly transported into a weird nether dimension within the book and exits elsewhere in the, in the, in the sanctum, which is pretty awesome. That sounds about right. Yeah, she looks through one door that's kind of open into a world of bones with dark figures threatening to eat her face. Only a uh-huh. a well placed bite by her remaining like head mouths let her slam the door on them <laughs> from their psychic scab and stuff. 
Um, she makes her way to the kitchen and we see monsters trying to open the fridge and whatever's in there is indeed pretty terrifying. Luckily, someone arrives with a, with a frying pan and beats the monsters up and pulls out some kind of like eye heavy octopus, which they then start <laughs> stir frying. <laughs> yep. It's Wong. Yeah. Yep. Yay. You see him literally stir frying this giant like oct octo like frog covered octo squid with a thousand eyes. And as he does, he's like pouring a bottle that's clearly marked poison onto it and just kind of making random small talk with Zelma explaining his role here in the mansion, like chef, housekeeper, martial arts instructor, occult curator, mystical guardian, insatiable adventurer, and now guide to Zelma. <laughs> After he's finished cooking, he leads her back to the library where Strange has been studying. He apologizes to Wong that she found the fridge, which is pretty funny, and has identified these monsters as mind maggots. And now they're trying to find food and are breaching the lock of the basement, which seems to be a very bad thing indeed. They've yeah, and we'll we'll find out about that you know a little oh, later. Oh man, on. I'm on. I've, I've got bated breath. <laughs> <laughs> so they gotta get the the maggots back in Zelma's head and this is where we learn that she's a librarian that's why she was so offended by the books eventually she agrees but to do so, she's covered in psychic mucus, she'll have to shout all of her secrets at the top of her lungs to lure them back along that psychic mucus trail they've left behind, so eventually she does, she hates her mom's meatloaf, thinks her sister baby is, her sister's baby is ugly and voted for J. Jonah, Jana, J. Jonah Jameson for mayor. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, that last yeah. one. Ooh. He also hates all dogs and wants to see the world, but is afraid to leave the house. The maggots all come running, but Strange throws himself in front of them, absorbing all of them into his body instead. All right. Uh, later, Strange comes to his, body's, his body covered in eyes and mouths, but the danger is past. They'll, you know, find his magical defenses far tougher than Zelma's. And so they'll all just starve to death inside of his body, uh, you know, in no time. Good times. <laughs> uh huh. Zelma, uh, oh, sorry, Stephen asks Zelma if she'd like to help him organize his library. And, you know, while his place is pretty weird, she agrees to do it on Saturdays, as long as this isn't some weird attempt to, like, go on a date with her or something like that. You know, fair enough. Right, right. After, after she leaves, Strange and Wong are worried because mind maggots have never actually been seen in our dimension. And also not being able to conjure the Crimson Bands of Sidorak, the pretty basic spell of Dr. Strange is also pretty concerning. It's like those parts of magic briefly stopped existing. Ooh. Ooh. They've got work to do. And as they head out, another door opens behind them, a magic door. Another battered and wounded sorcerer supreme is here to warn Doctor to warn Doctor Strange about the Empirical, but he's captured and taken to be burned by unseen assailants before he can. Dang, it's rough. Bad times, man. We're seeing, and I just like the fact that he has a he has an eye of Agamotto. Yeah, just slightly different, just because he's just from that you know <laughs> a slightly strange um, or you know unusual, I guess I should say, um, world. You know, <laughs> yeah. And and the uh, the the Sorcerer Supreme from issue one had kind of that same a, a similar sort of setup of, of of a big chest amulet as well. I think so sort of something that's yeah. echoed through the realities, I suppose. <laughs> 
Let's continue on to Doctor Strange number three, released December 2015, cover date uh, February 2016. I'm sorry, Doctor Strange number three, released December 2015, yeah, cover date February 2016. The Way of the Weird, Jason Aaron Ryder, Chris Bacalo, Pencils and Colors, Tim Townsend, Alvey and Mark Irwin Inks, VCs Corey Petit Letters, Nicolo, uh, yeah, Lowe and Charles Beecham Editors. The cover by Bacalo and Townsend has uh, Doctor Strange and his boxers of levitation running from a bunch of angry mushrooms and monsters. <laughs> I mean, you know, they're like red with like the gold trim, like like the cloak has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and there's yeah. an alternate cover by uh, Tim Sale and Dave Stewart. And then there's in this one there's also a a throwback cover to the old 1992 status quo with a masked Doctor Strange hanging out with Blade, Ghost Rider, Johnny Blaze, and I think Morbius, some some vampire dude. But but right. this was all part of um, a celebration of the 1992, you know, release of a, of a X Men number one, basically. So like right uh, with the night with 90s. Yeah, X-Men. exactly. So yeah. oh man, it's a nice day in Central Park. Is Doctor Strange muses that he usually just tells people there's no such things as ghosts or monsters because that's way easier than dealing with the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, all the dogs in the park start barking as a naked Doctor Strange in the astral plane runs from giant magic-eating slugs. Something we have I haven't talked about before, Drew, but I think is really cool is how in this version of the comics, it um, when you're in the astral plane or looking at the astral plane, everything that's magical is in color, and the world around you is like black and white, which is kind of a switch from from, yeah. from previous times when. If you were astral, then you were kind of black and white and ghostly, and the rest of the world was still in color. Now it's like, uh, you know, the magical stuff is in color, and the real world's in black and white. Which is, I, I think that's neat. I don't know. Um, it, it's a, it's a neat look for, for like the displaying the astral plane. Yeah, and I think it, it also just really makes it really evocative when there's stuff like, you know, all these magical slugs flying around with like a big rainbow in the back and stuff. It's really neat. <laughs> so, Strange is woken. Strange has just kind of woken up under attack from these slugs. They've eaten all of his usual magical countermeasures, including the one that gives him clothes in the astral realm. So he's just sort of running naked from these slugs. Luckily, he manages to find a sweet magical battle axe that was lying around, the Axe of Angarums, and starts hacking slugs with it, man. He, uh, you know, he, he, he hacks them down and has a pretty good, and, and, and tries to have a good attitude about it. But then as he leaves Central Park, he sees the reality, which is that all of Manhattan is swarming with slugs and they've eaten pretty much all the other magical stuff. Thinking fast, because he's got to like keep these slugs from spreading further, he pulls his astral heart out of his chest, uh, imbues it with magic, and throws it like a grenade. It has the desired effect of getting the attention of all the slugs, but also has the side effect of causing everybody in southern Manhattan to immediately throw up. So good times. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, over the sounds of, I guess, you know, a million people puking, basically. The uh, slugs now after Strange. He's naked and far from home. So good times. <laughs> he hops aboard a young, still flying skull and slug, I should say, and wings his way back to the sanctum, which is currently being devoured. He plunges through the skylight. Uh, has some witty banter with Wong and rejoins his body. Strange, Strange offers Wong a relaxing trip to a place where nothing happens in Cleveland as some Clevelanders walk by the sanctum and complain that all of New York City smells like vomit. 
<laughs> which today I guess it really would. As Strange blasts all the slugs with raw magical energy. Yeah. Um, it's enough energy that it just sort of bla- it's just sort of uh, knocks out all the slugs and puts them to food comas. You know, Strange doesn't really want to kill them all if you can help it. Instead, he's going to return them to their home world. And, you know, there's a funny thing as he did straight sort of incidentally says like, oh, yeah, you know, busy day, like choke out these slugs, make half of Manhattan throw up and swung and walks like half of what throw up. He's like, yeah, let's just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then. He, but yeah, yeah, man, like these slugs aren't doing anything wrong. They're just like trying to get something. Yeah, to eat. exactly. You know, you, you don't want to kill them if, if you can help it for sure. So uh, he knows where where they should be, and that he remembers that, in fact, this morning he opened a magical door to where they're from and was blasted and was hit by a blast that knocked him out of his physical form and into Central Park. He now reopens the door. It should lead to Fandazar Fu, a nexus point between dimensions where wizards go to meet and hang out, like an, interna- an interdimensional Palm Springs, basically. But, yeah. yeah. But as he opens the door, instead of a sweet glowing fantasy realm they open it and find the whole place a blasted war zone like it almost looks like a winter scene but instead of snow it's ash that's just fluttering down all over this place because yeah this place it's has been, been torched com- i mean like yeah, super completely torched. torched and destroyed what could have done this strange surveys the damage and finds the bodies of several other sorcerers supreme that he recognizes it's not just wanton destruction it's a message and then we see one of those murder dogs from the first issue um, looking on. And that's bad, too, because the murder dog, a.k.a. a witch finder wolf, is reporting in. And the Imperial Cool guys say they've heard of this Doctor Strange before on the screams of the unholy as they confess. They take this news to the Imperator as he's going to fight this giant flying murder whale thing. He just kind of kicks it to death with a mighty fap. And uh, orders the army to attack Doctor Strange. And that's looking real bad, Drew. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay, so let's finish up with Doctor Strange number four. Released January 2016, cover date March 2016. The Way of the Weird. Jason Aaron Ryder, Chris Bacalow, Pencils and Colors, Tim Towson, Alvey, Mark Irwin, John Livesay, Livesay, I don't know, Wayne Foucher, Victor Olaba, Ol- nah. Olazaba, uh, Jaime Mendoza Inks, VCs Corey Petit Letters, Nick Lowe, and Chris Beecham Editors. So the cover, again, by, by Bachelo and, and Towsend, we see Doctor Strange, Shaman, and Scarlet Witch toast as Doctor Voodoo looks worried, and the whole place is just surrounded by these Witchfinder wolves on the border of the, uh, of, of the image. There's also alternate covers by Koi Pham and Rachel Rosenberg with Deadpool comforting a sad Doctor Strange. <laughs> Yeah, there's actually a, a tie-in comic uh, for this, which actually really does uh, yeah heavily features Deadpool. Yeah, it's a yeah. There's like I don't know. I kind of didn't like it for this show just because it it doesn't really have Doctor Strange in it, I guess. And I don't know. Yeah, it's more it's more Deadpool centric, yeah. but it it just kind of showing what Deadpool's doing. Yeah, and it, and it's got a lot of fighting with the Empirical as well, just sort of giving you a sense of like who a little bit of who these bad guys are. I don't know if it covered the purview of this show, I guess. I mean, maybe we'll cover it at some point, but I don't know. Just like, it's, you know, I don't really know what's going on with Deadpool. So it's hard for me to sort of be like, all right. So like, you know, we, we got to do backstories for all these characters and stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But in, in, in this comic, uh, years ago, the ancient one was going all Morpheus on Dr. Strange. 
punch me as hard as you can. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it seems this is all part of Strange's magical training. And when he finally does punch him, it bounces off the, the Ancient One's uh, magic shield. But it seems that this was the opening to another lesson, um, which is basically that all the spells that Doctor Strange casts have a cost. And for Apprentice Doctor Strange, that cost is just uncontrollably puking God knows what out for over the course of several days. <laughs> it's rough. It's pretty rough. Like he's like he's like puking. He's like, wait, what? I don't remember eating that. Ugh. Like what? Why is it glowing? Ah, more puking. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the lesson continues basically as Doctor Str- as a modern Doctor Strange is now puking in the bathroom of the bar without doors, and there's just a big magic convention going on in there. Because we got our regular guys of like Scarlet Witch, Baron, uh, Doctor Voodoo, Shaman, and Monaco. It's also Talisman, who I believe is Shaman's like wife or something, or I don't know. They're related somehow. Uh, there, there's ma- there's magic with the K, Damon Hellstorm, our buddy from the Defenders, and many others. Strange lays the situation out, man. He's today he buried seventeen sorcerers supreme that were murdered by some force, and now they're coming here. Strange has tried to contact the other Sorcerer Supreme using a uh, Sorcerer Supreme sort of hotline, basically, but no one answered the call. So it seems like they're all on their own to whatever's coming their way. The magicians all agree to help, including some new guys we see, like uh, Professor Zoo and Mahatma Doom, who I'm most uh, excited about, I must say. Also, uh, yeah. Medico Mystico, who's got kind of a Dia de los, Mur- los Muertos thing happening. I just, I just want to say that uh, Mahatma Doom has a very interesting backstory. Yeah, I, 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 I read a little bit about it. It seems like it's actually like related to the Doctor Doom stuff we saw in Infinity Gauntlet about his time among the llamas, and I guess a uh, uh, triumph and torment also. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. Monaco is still saying Strange has to pay his mystic tab, and it's now coming due. The magician suggests linking Aura, and Strange gets a phone call. There's been another death. Uh, it, it seems as Zelma reports that the grimoire of Watum has fallen off the shelf, its pages empty and lifeless. It's lost all magic. The book is dead. Yeah. Oh, Strange is shocked and starts to collapse. Wong recognizes this right away and drags Strange to the kitchen to make him lunch. Lunch is another one of these weird uh, purple tentacle things. <laughs> Again, there's frogs adjacent, seemingly. Thelma asks what's up with the weird food, and Strange explains, or sorry, and Wong explains that years of magic have warped the doc's inside so that all he can eat and drink are gross monsters and literal poison, and frankly, this food's probably going to kill him too, but it's all that'll keep him going at the moment. He's just scarfing it down right now because, as Wong says, every punch comes at a cost, and Strange seems to expect to, be ha- to have to punch a lot pretty soon. Uh-huh. Strange and Zelma head down to a bank vault in the Sanctum as he's going to investigate the dead book and opens the vault and like the like it's basically just a sheen of like water like just standing still uh, inside the door of the vault. It's real awesome. Like you can sort of put your hand in it and and it comes back as water. Zelma accidentally pulls a giant fish out of there by accident. <laughs> <laughs> but Strange just tells her to go home as he gets aboard the cloak and flies into the sea. Meanwhile, as this is happening, Wong is like two stories up on a balcony, watching Doctor Strange leaves, and then he puts on winter clothes, says, I'm sorry, Stephen, sorry I never told you the truth, as he walks through a magic door into a snowfield. Oh, what's going on? 
Oh, so many things happen in Conrad. Deep beneath the Indian Ocean, Doctor Strange approaches the Temple of Watum, and the whole place is dead and life and lifeless. Like, where's where's the lava spitting? Where's the magical booby traps? Um, as he approaches, Strange finds these weird metal tentacles, machinery that disrupts magic. That's impossible. And yet, here come the goddamn tentacles, and he's under attack. As he's fighting, he gets a magical telephone call from Zelma back in the Sanctum, and she says, and it's raining books, like she's got an umbrella out, as just a torrent of books are falling out of the shelves dead. Also dying is her magic phone, which um, cuts off, and then we just see, it seems like we see parts of the Sanctum dying as well, just the magic being completely destroyed. Yep. Strange fights the tentacles desperately, thinking back to his training, how hard it, hard it is to use magic, the price you have to, ba- to pay to do so. The Ancient One told him that the use of magic might kill him, but the world without Stephen Strange would still be a world. But a world without magic would be no world at all. Strange is cornered and sends a message out to all mystics in the world that he was wrong all along. The enemy isn't coming. It's already here. Oh, oh man, really awesome stuff. Just creating this huge enemy that we've got to fight and Dr. Strange desperately trying to do it. Um, you know, it's really neat stuff, Drew. That's it. So uh-huh. we're just going to do four issues at a time here. I think just kind of stretch it out and like really kind of get a chance to look at these comics in a, in a, in a complete way. So what did you think about the comics we covered this episode? I think these are all fantastic. I just love this entire series. I love Chris Piccolo's art style because it just, there's so much detail in everything and all the colors pop yeah, so definitely. much. Yeah, yeah, you can really see that, like, like I said, in the in the astral parts where there's such a, you know, it's it's a mostly white background. So the little pieces of color that, that you do see are really uh, eye-catching and are really neat. Yeah, and it's really cool just seeing these, you know, like, all these comics that are sort of built to be viewed digitally and are really like clean and smooth and intricate and stuff like that. It's a, it's a, it's, I mean, you know, it's not like the stuff that we've been looking at elsewhere are bad, but it's just a, a, a different, you know, it's just a, a difference between something that's been maybe remastered versus something that's sort of natively in high definition or something like that, you know, where it just ends up being you, more detailed. It definitely yeah, tells just absolutely. by the, yeah, just by the like the amount of quality that is on. Yeah, the totally. I want to say also that I really like just the way um, that Aaron has written, or yeah, ha- has created Doctor Strange existing within a world. I guess like in a way mm-hmm. that we honestly haven't seen a lot of times in Doctor Strange. In even in just like the small parts in the in in the books we've covered, we've seen Doctor Strange sort of interacting with the community doing magical things for people. You know, there's this sort of idea that he exists as a magical force in the world, interacting with other wizards as well. That, you know, right. is often... Making house calls and whatnot. Yeah. Yada, yada. So yeah, both so making house calls and sort of just, inter, you know, going to a bar and hanging out with, like, other magical heroes, basically. I mean, so often in the, yeah. in, in the comics we've been reading, like, Doctor Strange is sort of doing his own thing and maybe... He'll team up with somebody in a team up book or someone will come by and guest star or something like that. But it's not like if it can often feel like if he's not on part of another team, that is what he's doing is sort of separate from standard superhero stuff, I guess. So I think it's cool to place him inside sort of the Marvel Universe, if that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. Yeah. And I just kind of yeah. And I just like the idea generally that the Sorcerer Supreme 
is like, you know, has wizards he's in charge of and that people look to him for this stuff, you know? Because again, that is something that can be missing a little bit from, from earlier comics, I guess. Oh man, okay. I hope everybody's excited about this new direction for the podcast. You know, I real I'm really excited just to talk about more of this crazy new stuff and these new adventures of Doctor Strange here in what's pretty much just the present day. Oh geez. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Like I said, kicking and screaming in the Yeah, I know. I, I I I hate it. I like the eighties, buddy. You know, it was acceptable in the eighties, right? <laughs> <laughs> right so if you'd like to contact the podcast i'd love to hear from you you can send me an email at stranger by the dozen at gmail.com or interact with the show on facebook and instagram by searching for stranger by the dozen or find us on twitter at stranger by the 12 that's stranger by the one two during the week i'll try to get some images and stuff up here so you can see this amazing art that we're talking about and some of the cool like uh place setting lines and stuff like that you know, Stranger by the Dozen is on iTunes, Stitch, the Google Play Store, or any podcatching app. Tune in next episode as we learn Wong's secret, the impure cool attack, and Doctor Strange has to form a resistance against a foe designed to destroy the only weapons he can bring to bear against them. Until then, faithful listener, I say, let him know. None of his dark knowledge will save him. The time has come to liberate another world from evil. Set course for the whole world of this Doctor Strange. Our holy inquisition marches on, my brothers. Praise the empirical and death to magic. My name is Conrad, and for my co-host Drew, this is Stranger by the Dozen. May the Vashanti guide your path. <laughs>